much. We're so glad you've joined us online and in person. And we know already it's been an amazing Sunday. We are enjoying a vacation Sunday. So we're away today, but our hearts are with you. We've been praying for this day, and we know you're going to have a fantastic morning. And we're super excited. We've left you in the best hands possible. We want to welcome Pastor Tammy Giffen to the stage to bring the word today. She is dynamic. If you were fortunate enough and you were here at our church last summer, you heard her speak. Um, she's an amazing mom. She's an amazing wife. She has so many giftings and talents, and she's come to pour it out for us today and bring the word of God. I'm excited because I will watch this later. Yes, Miss Tammy. And Tammy is the pastor of Groundswell Church in Truro, dynamic communicator. Uh, friends with God and lover of people, would you give a Nova Church welcome? Come on, church, can you stand to your feet? Round of applause yes. for Pastor Tammy Giffen. Thank you, thank you. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is really great to be with you guys today. Um, I love having these opportunities to come in the summer and uh, speak at other churches, but I always feel kind of bad because I don't get to hang out with my friends because they're on vacation. Uh, but you should know how fortunate you are, how blessed you are to have Mike and Nancy as your pastors. Um, they are incredible people, as you know. They are also incredible friends. And when you are journeying in ministry, uh, particularly in this region, in Atlantic Canada, you get to link arms with some exceptional people uh, who love on you and care for you, who call you up and check in on you. And, and Mike and Nancy are those kinds of people, and I am so grateful to be able to be in ministry together here in Atlantic Canada, contending together for our region with them. Uh, they're such a blessing to me. And I am super excited to be here with you guys today too. Uh, about five years ago, I was hanging out here for the summers right before we launched our church. Um, so we, we're always one year behind you in the celebrations, but we gleaned so much from all of the generous people here at Nova who just helped us along the way and continue to help us I had an emergency a few weeks ago where I had a projector that wouldn't work, and you can guess who I called. I called Brad. I'm like, Brad, I got a problem, and I might need your help here. Um, but so appreciate you, so appreciate being able to partner, uh, walk alongside of you guys, and be in ministry together for the people in Nova Scotia who need to know who Jesus is. And so I'm really thankful for all of you today. And I'm thankful to have this opportunity to share with you. Um, summer has finally come to Nova Scotia. We are all very grateful for that. Very, very grateful for that. Uh, which means that it is also wedding season. Everybody is cramming their wedding into like eight weeks of summer that is warm and sunny and enjoyable. Love is in the air in our region currently. I can't tell you how many... Uh, in my Instagram feed, how many people are posting about weddings in the last little while? I mean, it's exciting and wonderful and lovely and all the, all the great things. Um, but I think sometimes we are in love with the idea of love. Like we really are a little more in love with the idea because it all sounds wonderful, right? 
It all sounds wonderful and exciting. It looks great until we actually have to put love into action. How, until we actually have to put action behind words and feelings. Until we have someone that we um, don't agree with and we still have to love them. Or someone who isn't capable of loving us and we still have to love them. Someone who isn't capable of giving us the kind of love and care that, that we actually need. Or how about forgiving someone? Forgiving someone that we love who has hurt us. It's hard to love then. Love doesn't sound so fun and beautiful and enjoyable and exciting at that point. It's not, it's not as um, rainbows and butterflies when we actually have to put it into action. Um, the best way for us to figure out how to do anything in life, how to live life as a human being, is really to look at the life of Jesus. Like, Jesus demonstrated on earth what it looks like to be fully human and what God's intention for us really is to live a human life. He is our best example. And so when it comes to things like, things that are hard for us, like forgiveness, the best place, the best example that we can look to is Jesus. Now, I think one of the scariest passages of Scripture, at least for me, is Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 14, where it says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Do you hear that? Like, it honestly terrifies me, this, this verse. That... My relationship with God could somehow be affected if I choose not to forgive other people. Think about that for a second. How many people have you struggled to forgive in your life? I'm sure that every single one of you has someone in your head right now. I know I do. Or could it be that my inability to forgive is more of a reflection of not fully grasping the depth of forgiveness that God has extended to me. Um, I have three kids. They are all in their 20s now, which I find very hard to say out loud. It's very hard for me to say that out loud. Um, but your kids, they, they watch you, right? They, they watch you to, to learn. Um, and I see it more and more now in my kids as they get older. I see bits of myself in them. I see myself reflected in them, good things and really bad things. Um, because that's what kids do, right? They, they pick up all these things. They watch you, and then they mimic you. They, they learn what it looks like to, to live because they've watched how you live your life, and then they replicate that in some ways. Jesus is our perfect example of how to be human. He is. 
how to live like God intended for his people to live. And there are plenty of places in scripture that we can look and we can see to understand forgiveness as Jesus demonstrated it. But by far, the most shocking and compelling has to be Luke 23. Jesus has been arrested by Roman officials. He's been unjustly condemned. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. Flogged. It's a, it's a whip that they use that had bits of, of bones or rock or glass almost that they would beat someone with so they would just rip their skin apart when they hit, hit them. That, that's what it means to be flogged. He, he then carried his own cross that he would eventually be nailed to. Nails that would go through his hands, missing the bone so that it would hold him there a little longer. They wanted to extend how long that execution would be. They would be slow and painful, and lots of people would have an opportunity to watch it. And eventually, he, he would die as his lungs filled up. His lungs would suffocate. He'd be suffocated. And as he hung on a cross with a crown of thorns on his head, as people spit on him and mocked him, he looked at his accusers, those who had flogged him, those who had driven nails through his hands, and he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Can you imagine? I struggle to imagine. I, I just, I can't quite wrap my head around that type of an act of forgiveness for what seems to me like something that would be completely unforgivable. The creator disregarded by his creation that he loves. Murdered by his own, his own creation, the, 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 the thing that he, he poured so much life and energy and thought into, that he cares so deeply for. And he dies of this criminal's death at their hands, and he says, forgive them? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When kids are little, I always found it was a lot easier to solve these kinds of forgiveness problems. You know, somebody stole their stuffed animal or called them a name or wouldn't do what they wanted them to, and you just tell your kids to hug it out. You know, you just, you just got to hug it out. Just say you're sorry and hug it out. Sometimes I wish it was that easy as an adult. You know, that you could just hug it out. We just move on and go, you know, play in the sandbox together again. But it's so much harder. And, and some of you here today, you've been deeply betrayed in your life. You've been gossiped about or you've been taken advantage of or you've been cheated or cheated on. Some of you have wounds from your childhood. Parents who, who should have been your safety. 
should have been your stability and your security and your, and your cheerleaders, and they were nothing but. Some of you opened your hearts to someone. You made yourself vulnerable. You, you, you loved someone so much. You trusted them. You cared for them. And those people that you cared for the most and, and loved the most, they're the ones who took advantage of you. For some of us, it's not even quite that heavy. It's an ongoing relationship that's exhausting. That person who gets on your very last nerve, they walk into the room and, and they have nothing good to say about anyone or anything. They're always putting you down and putting other people down. Maybe it's your coworker, that guy or that girl, and, and they just seem to be nasty all the time. Forgive them. You can't even think about forgiving them. You can't even stand to be in the same room with them. And for some of you, it's, it's you. It's you. It's the things that you've done you can't forgive yourself for. Words that have been spoken. Actions that you can't even believe you did. And now you regret it so much. And you know, you know in your mind that Jesus has forgiven you, that he forgives you, but you can't forgive yourself. You can't. And you've been punishing yourself for a very long time. So how do we forgive? You know, is it just a, a switch? Do we need some magical prayer? Is, is it a feeling that I have? How do I forgive? How do I live like Jesus, forgiving like Jesus? There's two things that Jesus teaches us. First, he says, he teaches us to pray for those who hurt us. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, who is this crazy woman that they called in here to tell us that we should pray for people we should pray for the people that have hurt us. This doesn't even make sense. You can't expect me to pray for them. Do you know what she did to me? Do you know what he said? Do you know how this has impacted my family? Do you know? There is no way I'm praying for them. Praying for someone who hurt you isn't one of those, this will immediately fix your problem ideas. It's not going to instantly change your heart or their heart necessarily. It's these incremental step, steps that lead us into this process towards forgiveness. For most of us, it will be a process over time. It's not going to happen quickly. To pray for those who hurt us is actually more about us. But why would we even consider doing it? In Luke 6, 28, Jesus says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now let's just be real for a minute. 
Like in your life, you will get hurt. I will hurt people. You will hurt people. It's just true. We don't always mean to. People will let you down. You will be betrayed, cheated, talked about, criticized. You are going to get wounded. And Jesus gives us some very clear instructions for what he wants us to do when this happens. Pray for them. Now, when I imagine praying for someone who hurt me deeply, um, it, it, it probably sounds a little more like, um, you know, I'm going to pray that your brakes go out when your car is going down a hill. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to pray that when you're walking down the street, some, you know, something falls on your head from an upper window and knocks you out like I really want to. Like, that feels a little more like the, the kind of prayer that, that I might want to deliver to someone who's hurt me. That's how we pray for people who hurt us, right? That they would get what they deserve. That whatever they have done to us would, would return to them tenfold. But that's not what Jesus did. And that's not what he wants from us either. He wants us to pray for them with sincerity and just to walk it out with him in obedience. You know, I might just start with, I pray for Joe. Amen. It's like one step of obedience with Jesus. Like, work this out with me, Lord. Because I can't do this. I can't forgive them. So you're going to have to help me. Step by step in obedience. Matthew 5, 43 to 44, Jesus makes this statement. And it would have been completely shocking to everyone who was gathered around to hear him that day. They would have been like, excuse me, can you say that one more time? I don't, I don't think I got it right. Because it would have been completely countercultural to both the Jews and the Romans. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said. So he's basically saying, like, this is the, here's the normal thing that you've heard already culturally. This is what you would understand. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who hurt you. Like, this would be crazy talk. It would have sounded like pure madness to everyone who was in earshot. But if we're being truly honest, aren't we kind of exactly the same way? Seriously, deep down, we believe in that same paradigm. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. An eye for an eye would have been common teaching for the Jews at that time. Like, you punch me, I'm going to punch you back. You steal my sheep, I'm going to steal your sheep. You hurt my family, I'm coming after your family. Whatever you inflict on me, it's coming back to you. And then the Romans, they would have absolutely thought it was completely crazy because they actually worshipped a god of revenge. They did. They, they prided themselves in their ability to avenge whatever had been done to them. And now Jesus is saying, no, in my kingdom, things are different. I'm asking you to turn this thing around. 
to take a different approach, to love your enemies the way that I love you. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, I know what I'm suggesting to you this morning is not easy. It's complicated and it's painful. But I can tell you that forgiving is right and it's liberating. It frees you from bondage and moves you towards healing. Has someone betrayed you? Jesus says pray for them. Has someone slandered you? Has someone gossiped about you? Pray for them. Has someone cheated you? Cheated on you? Pray for them. Has someone inflicted pain on someone that you love? Betrayed you? Pray for them. Why? Like, why can't there be another way? Like, there has to be another way. Why can't there be another way? Why would Jesus tell us to pray for someone who has caused us so much pain? Because actions precede feelings. When have you ever felt like forgiving someone who has hurt you? If I waited until I felt like it, it may never happen. And Jesus knows that about us. He knows that about us. He knows how we're wired. And he wants us to take practical steps that move us in the right direction because action precedes feelings. When you pray for someone, there is no guarantee that it is going to change anything about them. But I promise you, it will certainly change you. It will soften your heart. It will help you confront your pain. And God will reveal himself to you in the midst of it, providing healing and hope that only he can offer. They may never change, but you absolutely will. On the cross, Jesus gave us this unimaginable picture of what it looks like to forgive. It's hard to wrap our heads around. And not only did he forgive his accusers, forgive those who placed him on the cross, forgive those who murdered him, he paid our penalty too. He paid our penalty so we could be forgiven. And that's exactly why we need to be people who forgive. Paul says in Colossians 3.13, Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, I have this great story in my message that has nothing to do with me. And this morning, I feel very compelled to share something with you. Um, and I don't typically share this story. So I'm just believing that God has something intended for it. Um, two months before, I, I've been married for 28 years now. Two months before my wedding, 
I, my whole family found out that my dad was having an affair. So you can guess how that impacted my happy wedding plans. Um, love was not in the air that day. Um, so I have walked through this, um, I've walked through forgiveness and unforgiveness. Um, I think oftentimes when something like this happens in a family, you look at the, you know, you look at the couple, you look at the mom and dad, like they're, they're the ones that are impacted. Um, but I can tell you as being a child in that I wasn't a child at the time, but being a kid in that relationship, being their child, you feel like you were cheated on too because you didn't know. And this person that you thought you knew feels very different now because they weren't being truthful to you either. And I'm sure there are many of you in, the, in this room that have walked this experience in various different ways. Um, but what I can tell you about living this out for the last 28 years in my family, uh, unforgiveness really only hurts you. It really only hurts you. And it can take your life to a place where it's it's just, it's just hard to, it's hard to live. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to love well. You're not, you're not able to let go of something to a place where you actually can heal from it. And I've watched this happen. I've watched it happen in my family for decades. We forgive people because this is what you have to do to set yourself free. Jesus commands us, and it's what you need to do to set yourself free so that you can receive the healing that Jesus has for you, because he has healing for you. And, and I know for some of you, like this is a really challenging, I don't usually come into a, you know, summer Sunday and talk about something so heavy, but I very much felt like this was a word for somebody today. And I know it's hard to listen to you because some of you, you've been carrying bitterness and you don't know, you don't know how to forgive. You, you're not even sure you want to forgive. You've been carrying hurt around with you for so long that it's become like an old friend. It's all you know. You're not even sure you would know what your life would look like without it. There's a saying that bitterness or unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. That, that's really what unforgiveness is like. And when Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you, it's not because he thinks that you should just forgive and forget. It's because he wants to liberate us. He came to set captives free. And he wants to free you. 
Granting forgiveness sets prisoners free. And more often than not, the one that is extending the forgiveness is the one who's been the prisoner all along. And you're holding the key to your own prison. When we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness, we are the ones in bondage. We are the prisoners. We are the ones who who can't work through it. We're the ones who can't grow. We're the ones who are rotting from the inside out. And we're hoping that there will be payment on the other end. But the truth is, we're already paying the price. We're not living the fullness of life that Jesus has for us because we keep ourselves locked in a prison and we're not able to receive the healing that he has for us. After Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead by the power of God, he went and visited his disciples. And some of them, they they doubted it was truly him. And so you know what he did? He showed them his scars. He showed them the holes in his hands where the soldiers had nailed him to a cross, wounding him, holding him on the cross, a reminder of pain and suffering. But here is the thing. What wounded you doesn't need to hold you there forever. Forgiveness doesn't mean you pretend it didn't happen or pretend that it doesn't hurt. It isn't denial. There were nails in your hands. You were wounded. But as long as you let that nail hold you there, you will never heal. It's not that it didn't happen. It happened and it was horrible. It's not that it doesn't hurt. It's just that you're not going to let the offense hold you there any longer. And and I think we often believe that if we forgive them, they get away with it. Forgiveness is not giving in to that person. It's getting free from them. You've been wounded long enough. Why would you choose to stay wounded when you can find a place of healing in the hands of Jesus. I want to, um, I want to encourage you to do something with me today as we close out. For some of you in this room, you already know who that person is that you need to forgive. You know, popped into your head five minutes in. For some of you, you have been carrying this unforgiveness for this person for a really long time. And you can see how it's impacting your life. You can see how it's impacting the lives of people around you. And there's an invitation for you today. An invitation to 
step into a place of forgiveness. Just a step of obedience with Jesus to forgive someone. That you could receive, begin to receive the healing that he has for you. For some of you in this room today, it's you. Like it's you you can't forgive. It's things you've done, things you've said, decisions that you've made, ways that you have hurt other people. And it's you that you can't forgive. And you don't think that Jesus can forgive you either. There's an invitation for you too. There's an invitation to a place to meet with a Jesus forgives everything that you could have ever said or thought or done. Who pours out grace and mercy on us to set us on a new path to set us in a direction towards a changed life. And so I want to invite you, um, if you would, just to stand with us. I just want to invite you to just, if you're willing, just close your eyes for a minute and just listen to the sound of my voice. Imagine that you are walking, um, you're walking towards home today. Whatever home is to you, maybe it's home to your childhood home or your current home or a place that you long for to be home. Imagine that you're walking towards the front door of your home today. And you're, you know, you're walking up that walkway or the driveway or you're walking towards that front door. And that front door opens and it's actually Jesus standing at the front door. How do you see him this morning? Because how we see him says a lot about what we think about him, who we think he is. And as you see him this morning, standing and opening this door to you, looking at you, if you see him this morning with a face of judgment or a face of anger because of all that you've done or you think you've done or how you have disappointed him, That is not the Jesus who meets you today. He meets you here in this moment with undying love. He meets you in this moment with piles and piles and piles of grace and mercy. And he meets you in this moment with arms open to welcome you in to begin your healing process so that he can set you on the trajectory that he has set for you. 
And he may be whispering in your ear this morning of that person that you need to forgive. That person that has been, that bitterness that you've been carrying with you all of this time because you haven't been able to forgive them. He may be whispering their name in your ear this morning. And he's asking you to take one little step of obedience with him today. A step towards forgiveness, a step towards freedom, a step towards liberation, a step towards healing in your journey with him. Because he is a God of hope. He is a God of love. He is a God of peace. He has healing intended for your life today and you can receive it right now in this moment. So if you fall into any of those categories this morning, wherever you're standing right now, just raise your hand for a moment because I want to pray for you. Thank you. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we come before you today with all of the weight and the heaviness that unforgiveness carries. And for some of us in this room, we've been carrying it for a long time. It's like an identity for us. It's like a, an, a, an old friend that we just can't, can't seem to move away from. And Lord, today I pray freedom. Pray God that you would break people free from unforgiveness. That in this moment, God, that they would be able to see that there is a different future. That unforgiveness is what's been holding them in this prison that they've been living in their life. And that today, God, you are you're handing them the key to this prison and all they need to do is unlock the door. All they need to do is open up that door to receive the healing that you have for them. That they could take this one step of obedience with you and it could change everything for them in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that freedom over people in this room in Jesus' name. And, Lord, for anyone in this room today who believes that they are too unforgivable, that the things that they have done in their life, that they could never approach you, that you would never receive them, Lord, I pray that that lie would be broken in this moment and the Jesus that they see in the door of their home is a Jesus that has their his arms open to them that is exuding love and acceptance and welcome. And that today in this moment, they could believe that they have a home with you. And so Holy Spirit, would you midst, would you orient our hearts towards Jesus today, that we could receive the healing that he has for each and every one of us. And I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Christ, my living hope. In 
Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you here next week.